We're singing Victory Belongs to Jesus, and it does. But you may be here today, and your life is is in a very difficult place. A life is full of uh, problems, full of challenges, full of things that drag us down. And uh, it's interesting that... uh, any notion of life that, that is kind of in a, a Pollyannish-like uh, state uh, gets a very quick correction when you go through some of living. When you realize that, that life isn't all easy, that there are difficulties and challenges, and that it can, it can be tough, we face disappointments, uh, discouragement, we come under attack by others. We lose jobs. We, we find ourselves stressed financially. We can be in, in, in a, a battle to keeping our marriage together or, or, or keeping our kids or uh, a struggle against cancer or fighting for our life in that way. And, and crises can crash our lives as unwelcomed intruders. Life can be tough. And, and, and to sing as we should, victory belongs to Jesus is right, but it can also be a struggle, and Israel understood struggle as well. Israel was confronted with a huge challenge. It was called the Philistines. It was a group of people that inhabited part of the land that was, belonged to Israel. And uh, the Philistines came out to war against the Israelites. And uh, they came out to war against God's people in God's land that was their land. And when Israel moved in to assume ownership of the land that God had given to them and and to move out those who were were not to be there, um, God promised them a possession. Uh, He promised to lead them. And and, uh, when the torch was handed from Moses uh, to Joshua... He made these military incursions where, where he went in and divided the land and took the south and the north and had, had largely um, subdued the land and their place. But it's interesting uh, because they, though they were very successful, there were some places that they didn't clean up. And they persisted in being enemies living in the land. Now, there never should have been because God gave them everything they needed to to have that kind of uh, victory. And uh, those nations uh, served a purpose also uh, for the people of God and for God. Those nations that were left there. Uh, Sometimes God would use them. Um, They would cause trouble from time to time. They They would rise up against the Israelites and God would use them, uh, in some cases, to, to chastise or to punish the people of God when they had turned from Him, when they didn't care for Him, when they weren't walking in His ways and that kind of thing. And sometimes they were left there because they would test the people and the people would show whether they would be faithful to God or not. And so we, when we come to Saul and David, we come through a period of some 400 years of history that was... Uh, very sad and very dark days in Israel's history. The days of the judges, when they would do, uh, the, the, the phrase would go, uh, there was no king in the land, and everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. 
And, and so we went through these cycles of God uh, having to chastise them and often using other countries and having them call out to God for help. Please save us. And God would save them. And they would be faithful to the Lord and then they would rebel against God and this cycle went on for some 400 years. It seemed that the people that gave them the most trouble, though, were the Philistines. They were like perennial pests. And the problem was that they had the latest in weaponry. We looked last week and we found out that uh, the Israelites, their army had two people, John, uh, Jonathan and, and his dad Saul the king, that had weaponry. Nobody else had the kind of weaponry. They used to uh, have to go down to the Philistines to have their plows uh, sharpened and their their knives sharpened and their their uh, agricultural uh, tools and that kind of thing. And uh, here they are, uh, giving trouble again. And they have moved in on Israel, and they're they're waiting for battle. And uh, you'll see this uh, this uh, map on there. Uh, let me see if I can help uh, point you out here. Okay, this is not working. I was told it. I was told it might not work. Okay, but I knew how to do it. Okay. <laughs> My brother's shaking his head. Ushers, remove that man. Uh, let, let me try and let me try and point something out to you. Um, you see Jerusalem. That would, in future, become the the capital. That's where God would reside. That's where the temple would be. But we see just off to the, uh, to the, the west and the south, you see Azekah and Soko. And this is where, and Azekah uh, is where the, uh, the people of God were. And in Soko was where the Philistines were. And uh, something to note here also is the the area that the Philistines inhabited was on the west coast, on the Mediterranean, and the, the lovely uh, plain, it was, it was good for uh, agriculture. And there were five main cities or city-states with their, with their own rulers, uh, rulers. There's Gaza. Now, we hear today the Gaza Strip. Uh, it's a problem. It, it continues to be a problem with the Palestinians and the Israel, Israelites and, um, and Ashkelon, Ash, Ashdod, Ekron, and Gath. And so th- this was their territory. So they had pushed the Israelites up into the hills, which aren't so good for, for agricultural purposes, and they, they really controlled that whole plain. And uh, so they came, and there's a valley there. It's called the Valley of Elah. And so on one side, you've got uh, the, the Israelites... And on the other side, you've got the, uh, the Philistines, and then they would come and have this plain where they could um, have their war. Now, here's a picture of that area. That's what it was like. Were hills on one side, hills on another side, and then this plain be- between. And they would be up in the hills, and they would uh, come out and confront each other. And this happened for a number of days. And um, when they came... I thought to myself, what, what did Israel see when they saw them? What did they, well, they were, they were uh, 
a formidable challenge lined up on each side. They saw an army that was superior to their army. They had superior weaponry. Uh, they, they were more battle-tested. Uh, they, were, they were in a better position. Besides that, they had a, uh, a champion. A champion by the name of Goliath. A champion that was battle-tested, seasoned, a leader, a guy who would challenge God's people. And, and so we read uh, in 1 Samuel 17, a champion named Goliath who was from Gath, that city that we saw, his height was six cubits in a span. This guy was like nine and a half foot tall. Now, you NBA fans can appreciate a seven-footer. And you see somebody interviewing them after the game, and they go like this. Now, I want you to take that seven-footer and add two and a half feet to that. I mean, they couldn't walk in most of our homes. They'd be hunched over like this. The guy is a monster. He's huge. On his head, he's got a bronze helmet. He's got protection for his head. Um, on his, uh, he wore a coat uh, of scale armor uh, that was made of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. Uh, that would be like 125 pounds covering his torso. So he's got the head covered, he's got the torso covered. And uh, not only that, he wore bronze greaves, so his legs are protected. If that uh, weren't enough, he's got weaponry like the Israelites can't even hardly imagine. Um, he, he's, he's got a, a bronze javelin strung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. It was huge, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's like 15 pounds was the, the pointy part. Can you imagine the damage you could do with that? And, and particularly if you had the strength to pick it up like it was a toothpick and, and hurl it or, or run somebody through with that. Um, his, not only that, he's got a shield bearer who goes ahead of him. Uh, and so, so he's got a guy with a, a huge shield and he stands in front of him with the, you know, like he's got it all, he's got it made. I mean, he's got all the bases covered. And, and this guy is, he is experienced like you wouldn't believe. And so he goes out and he shouts to the ranks of Israel, you come out and line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine and you are not, are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. The Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. What did they see? What did they see? They saw a guy that was so formidable, so big, so strong. I mean, his hands were like this. He was massive. He had everything he needed uh, to obliterate them. And, um, and, and so here he comes out, and, and he says, like, we, you know what, we don't have to... Uh, We'd have to kill each other all. Let's have two men go out. They fight. If we win, you become subject to us. You do whatever we say. Uh, you 
You uh, follow us. You, you give all, all of what you have to us. We'll tax you. We'll tell you where you can live and what you can do. And, and you'll, you'll worship our gods and all the rest of, of that. He was self-confident. <laughs> there was no doubt in his mind who was going to win this contest. And the Israelites, there was no doubt in their mind who would win that contest. He defies the armies of Israel. Interesting. David's three, uh, Saul is paralyzed by fear. This goes on for 40 days. He, 40 days. Every day they come out, there's the war cry, they come out, they, they, they face each other. And Goliath steps forward and says, come on, bring it on. Who's your person? And, and they're just stalling, stalling, stalling. Now, David's three oldest brothers had joined the army. They were there working, and, and their father sent David to bring supplies to his brothers and to the, his brother's ca- uh, captain and, and to bring back a, um, a word about what's happening in the, in the war. And, and so David comes, and as he comes, they're lining up for battle, and David is intrigued. I mean, he, he's... He's a kid. He's in his teens. And he comes to see what's going on. He leaves the flocks. He leaves, he leaves the herds. And he arrives in time to see what's going on. What did David see? What was it that he saw? Well, he saw a giant. As he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual, usual defiance. And then there's this cute little phrase, and David heard it. I think that is, you know, what, what I, when I was reading this, I think that is so cool. David's there, he's going, and I defy the, the, uh, the armies of Israel. Say what? What did he say? What did he say? You know, and here's this kid. I heard, yeah, I heard what you said, man. Uh, and, and so, in, in defiance, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him with great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give him great wealth and the man who, uh, to the man who kills him. He'll also give his daughter in marriage, and he'll exempt his family from taxes in Israel. And David asked the man standing near him, what did he say about that again? What did he say? What will it be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes what it is? It's a disgrace that God's people are being held hostage by this other entity in their own land, that they're, they're afraid. This, this is a disgrace. What's going to happen? Uh, Who's going to, uh, to the, for the man who removes this disgrace from Israel? And who is this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David, what are you thinking? Uh, how, do you, how do you size this up? Because everybody else is shaking in their boots. David, what do you see? I heard what he said. And, but I'm kind of intrigued by this too. Would they say they'd give the guy who does this? Oh, the king's daughter in marriage and lots of money and your family doesn't have to pay uh, any tax. He asked for that to be repeated again another time. 
what they say he was going to do? He's, like, he's really intrigued by this. Um, but he sees this for what it is. This guy was a disgrace. The situation Israel was, was in was disgraceful. God's people are intimidated. They're losing property. They're afraid. They're insecure. They're threatened. They're going to be subjugated to a foreign nation. They're going to lose their freedom. They're going to be made to worship other gods. They'll be influenced by godless standards and behavior of these, of these people. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who we are? Doesn't he know that we're the people of God? Uh, who does he think he, uh, that, that he is? Doesn't he know that we have Almighty God on our side? Doesn't he know about our history? Hasn't he heard of what, what God did in Egypt to the greatest superpower of the time when he marched his people out like lambs to the slaughter with chariots following them and God protected them? Well, what did he do when the Amalekites came and the Ammonites came? And, 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 and who, what, what did God do? They know these stories. What did he do when we came into the land of Canaan? This is our God. These are, th- this is who we are. Who does that uncircumcised Philistine think he is? He says, don't lose, don't lose heart. He said, bring him on. Bring him on. I'll take him. It's, the confidence he has is this is the, a willing, uh, uh, this is a, a winnable battle. You know what? No, nobody else felt that way. Not, a, not another single person felt that this was winnable in any way. What did David's uh, brothers say? Uh, wh- what did they see? When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness, punk? What are you doing here anyway? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Well, kid, get out of here. A typical kid brother thing. Do you remember when David was anointed? Samuel goes to Jesse's house. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a celebration. And, uh, and God said, I'll tell you which one to choose. And when, when he saw Jesse's sons coming in, Eliab, oh, that's him. That's it. No, it's not him. Well, what about what about this one? What about Shammah? What about no? Went through the seven kids. Do you not have any more? Well, there's one, but we we didn't invite him to the party. It's a kid brother. He's out taking care of the sheep. Well, we're not going to eat until until he comes. He comes and and the spirit of God said that's the one, and he was anointed. I I, I wonder, you know, you ever thought what it'd be like to be Jesus' brother? I mean, how bad would that be, right? You can never do it right because Jesus is perfect. Here's you, here you've got a kid brother, and, and he's been anointed as king. How, how do you handle that? I mean, nothing has happened with that. Saul is still on the throne. But it sounds like they kind of despised him a little bit. And, and, and uh, so they're saying, you know... Get out of here, kid. You're, you're conceited. You're wicked. You're just here to see what's going on. 
They had no confidence in him. Nobody had confidence in him. It's interesting as they go on. What What did Saul see? Saul was terrified. It was absolutely... When, see, here, here's what happens. Um, word gets out that there's so, nobody would be willing to fight. So word gets out among the ranks. Hey, there's a guy here who says he's willing to take up the battle. Nobody else would. And so, so Saul is thinking, well, like, bring him here. I want to see who this person is. What a downer when David comes. You know? <laughs> You're going up against Goliath, and here is David. You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him, Saul says. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from youth. You can't do it. It would be foolhardy for me to let you go out there, but I don't have a plan B. I've got nothing else going for me. And besides, they've been stalling. This is 40 days this has happened over and over and over again. And Saul is terrified. And isn't that sad? That here is the man that Israel wanted to rule over them. They looked at him. He was a a head taller than anybody else. When you saw a crowd, you always saw Saul. They wanted a king like all uh, all the other nations around them. They want somebody who was big and strong and would lead them into battle and and would would take out the enemy. And, and, uh, And here is Saul. And Saul is shaking in his boots. And Saul is ill-equipped for doing that he's terrified he'd rejected God he'd been rejected by God and the spirit of God had been taken from him but when he hears that somebody's willing to fight that's the only option he's had and so he's going to have to go with it and when he sees David it was like a huge disappointment he was a pretty boy he was a harpist he was a kid he was in his teens this was crazy but that's all they could do. Saul dresses David in his own tunic, puts a coat of armor on him, bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. You ever, you ever see a three-year-old put their dad's shoes on and walk around? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the picture I have of David. He's, he's in all this stuff. It's, Saul is himself a very big man. And, and, and here they are. Uh, David says, I can't, I can't wear these things. I, I can't do this. It's not right for me. And he takes them off. And he takes a staff. He takes a stick. He, he goes and he picks up five, three stone, uh, five smooth stones. And... Uh, He goes and he puts them in his pouch, in his shepherd's bag, with his sling in his hand, and he approaches the Philistine. This is not going to be good, right? I mean, the guy is basically covered, the armor bearer, you know. He's he's got it all down. And uh, he, he trades the armor of battle for something that a shepherd would have. He's ready to rumble. Um... If you were a betting person, you would never bet on David. You, but the odds, well, you could make a ton, I suppose. Um, so here he is, ready to go. And um, what did Goliath see? I mean, he's heard, they've got somebody over there. Let's, let's get it together. 
we're going to have a fight finally. Um, what, did, what did he see? The Philistine, uh, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He's looking at him like, what are you doing? He comes closer, he looks David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. What an offense. You send this puny kid out. That that is just an, an absolute insult to him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He's talking a little smack with him. Uh, yeah, you know, let's, let's get in his face. Let's get in his grill, and I'll tell him what I'll do with him. I, I, he, may have even said, uh, he may have even said, your mother wears battle sandals or something like that. And they said, don't you talk about my mother like that. Um, anyway, here he is. Um, and, and, and this is what Goliath saw. He thought, this is an absolute insult to me that you, would, that you would take and bring this person out. And he cursed David by his gods. You know, one of the chief gods of, of the Philistines was Dagon. You remember there was a time when the Philistines prior to this captured the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in their temple where Dagon was. And, uh, and when they came the next morn, morning, Dagon had fallen on his face and broken um, I, I, I'm coming after you, uh, he says, really, um, with, with my gods against your God. And uh, he was pretty self-confident about what was going to happen in this. And um, so they're, they're, they're ready to rumble now. And uh, the sad thing is that not a soul believed that David had a chance. Nobody. Nobody believed that this was something that David could do. And uh, what did David see? What was it that David saw when, when he approached this situation? The power of God's Spirit had been working in him. Pick up this. David said to Saul when Saul said, like, son, you can't go. I mean, you, you just, this is beyond what you're able to do. He said, he said, your servant has been keeping my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came I car- and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. And your sil- servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. You've got the name of your gods, but I have the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This, is the day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give all of us, all of you, into our hands. He was confident, but he wasn't self-confident. He was confident in God and God's ability to do this. 
Uh, you come against me with weapons. I come against you in the name of the Lord our God. I come against you in a name. But that name represents who this is. This is the creator of the universe. This is the covenant-keeping God who made us his people. And, and uh, what you don't know, Saul, is that the Spirit of God has come mightily upon me. Now, normally, if, uh, if a wild animal like that takes one of your flock, that's part of doing business. You lost it. David said, not on my watch. It's not going to be. And the Spirit of the living God came upon him, and he grabbed the lion. And he got the, he got the, uh, uh, the, the sheep free. And he took the thing by the hair and killed it with his bare hands. See, he'd been, he'd been experiencing the power of God in his life. This wasn't like just a, a brand new thing. He knew what it was for the power of God to come on him. He did the same with the bear. And, and when he comes and sees this situation, he's saying, How dare you? How dare you come against us? In the name of your God, don't you know who we are? Don't you know who our God is? Don't you know what our God has done? This uncircumcised Philistine, he's not a part of the covenant people of God. No way. Um, I'm, I'm going to take you down. And, uh, and it won't be done on my, uh, on my account. This is the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of heaven. He's more powerful than anyone else. This day, the Lord will deliver you into David's hand. And it's not because David was special. It's because God was special. David can talk smack too, but he comes with something. He, he said, I'll strike you down, and the, what you said about me is actually going to happen to your army. The Lord saves because the battle is the Lord's. See, it wasn't David's battle. This was God's battle. This was a battle about your God versus my God. David's trust is in the Lord. His confidence is in the Lord. His hope is in the Lord. Hey, he's little. He's weak. He's inexperienced. He's ill-equipped. But David would shine as the anointed of God. See, this is what Saul was supposed to have done. Saul could have done this. The Spirit of God gave him everything he needed to accomplish this. But Saul turned away to his own ways. God was looking for a man after his own heart, a man who would trust him, a man who would care about the things that God cared about. And uh, the big, tall, strong uh, Saul is now a whimpering, weak, helpless leader, shivering in his boots. God looks at the heart, he told us. And... and uh, not the exterior, because by the exterior, this was, this was uh, dead and gone. So what happened? What happened in this? The Philistines moved closer to attack him, and da David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Th there was no, like, let's spar a little. Let's, let's uh, test each other out. Let's, let's see where, where we can know. David went right for it to meet him at the battle. And he reached into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. That reminded me of his God, Dagon. <laughs> when, 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 when the Ark of the Covenant was put in there, he fell on his face and broke. And here is David. And David comes at him and he, he, 
he, he wings it up and lets it go. And, and one of the few places that, that he could nail the guy was right there. I mean, he has to see. And down he goes, falls flat in his face. And, um, and uh, David, I mean, doesn't have a sword. But he triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. And he struck down uh, the Philistine and killed him. And David ran and stood over him. And he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. And Israel went after them. And God gained a great victory. There's something when we, when we read narrative literature in the Bible, sto- the stories of the Bible, we tend to think that David is the hero. David's not the hero. God is always the hero. When we, when we read the stories, we need to read with, with an understanding that God is the hero. David's not the hero. David couldn't do any of this. God could. When we make David the hero, or Daniel the hero, or Joseph the hero, or Abraham the, the, the hero, we, we're, we're missing the point. It's God is the hero. And, and, uh, and we need to remember that. It's interesting that they have a conversation afterwards, and, and this is how weird the situation is. Saul says to Abner, his, uh, his general, who was that kid? I don't know. They didn't, they didn't even know who David was. God granted them this huge victory. And you'll know, he says, that there's a God in Israel. You'll know that he's mighty. You'll know that the battle is his. And when I think about it, the, the challenges that we face... Some of you have some Goliaths in your life right now. Some of you are struggling and, 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 and being beaten down. You're in a battle. You're, you're in a war. You're, you're fighting for your, your kids' lives. You're fighting a disease. Your marriage is threatened. Your finances are there. You've got health concerns. You've got depression. You're brokenhearted. There are things that are going terribly wrong. And you're facing these giants and you say, I don't think I have the resources to go against these. I, I, I can't do it. And I want you to know that the battle is the Lord's. And when you're with the Lord, the Lord can give you victory and will give you victory. And a lot of the things we battle aren't, aren't the battle of just flesh and blood. But, but we're told in Ephesians that it's not just a human struggle. It's a spiritual struggle. There are spiritual forces working against us to drag us down, to defeat us. And we need to remember whose we are. And we need to remember that the, the, the victory comes through God and through Jesus Christ, who won the battle over everything. It, when he rose from the dead victorious, he eliminated the last enemy that we have. It's interesting, because some of us, are maybe thinking, um, yeah, but God isn't changing my health concerns. God didn't change my marriage still broke up. And, and, and we're, we have an idea that, that, that winning means always that kind of thing happening. And I, I'm reminded about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who in Daniel chapter 3 were, were told that every one of them had to bow before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. 
And they refused to do it. And they were called onto the carpet. And they said, look, if you don't bow down to our gods, we'll throw you in the fiery furnace. Do you remember what their response was? Our God will rescue us. But know this, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. See, all of the battles aren't ultimately won necessarily in this world, in this life. Uh, There are some of the battles that will end in death on our part, but ultimate victory. And we need to remember that. But God is there and is able to save and and, and, and help us. And sometimes winning is staying faithful to God when everybody else under pressure is is backing out. Um, For us, it's it's beyond that, that, that God gives us strength and endurance and commitment and faith to keep going on and to persist and to persevere in it. He's able to save. Even if he doesn't save in the way we thought he should, he still always saves us. So I don't know what kind of battle you're facing. I don't know what kind of um, Goliath you have in your life. But I know this, that if you are a child of God, then, then the battle is not just yours. The battle is also his. And he will come to your aid and your help. And we call on God to trust him. So when these when these problems assail and when, when we face difficulties and challenges, we remember whose we are. We're the people of God. And we'll conduct ourselves in, in trust and in faith with a God who wins the battles. The, the story of David and Goliath is fascinating. Probably every kid who's gone through Sunday school has heard it. And it, it is a phenomenal story. And I... I in, I encourage you to read because we can't do every, every, every passage through this whole set. But, but I encourage you to read through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and, and get that whole big story thing. But um, here's David. Nobody gave him a chance. But one with God is always a, a majority and it always puts you on the winning side. May God grant you grace in that. Father, we thank you so much for what you reveal to us in Scripture. We thank you what you did through David. We thank you that you had a plan through David, that there would be a greater son of David's that would come and would conquer death for all times. Lord, we thank you so much for that. We thank you that ours is the victory. We thank you that ours, uh, that never will he leave us or forsake us. He will never go back on his promises, but he will grant us victory as we put our trust in him and in him alone. Lord, there's so many things we look to put our trust in. May we focus, may we focus our attention, our trust, our confidence, our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.